everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you guys so much. Sorry? I don't know what you said, but yes, I think you said something about being too late. It's too late. Yes. Oh, nice. Congratulations, man. I'm happy for you. All right. Hey, let me start today. Uh, uh, Hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed that. Listen, like I said, it's been a while since I've been here with you guys, but I'm happy to be back. It's been like three weeks. Uh, Last week, Eric taught. The week before that I was here, but Jeff, uh, he did chapter 5 of the book of Galatians, and today we're going to be looking at chapter 6 as we come to a conclusion of this series in the book of Galatians. If you've been here for the last couple of weeks, if you've been coming regularly, um, we've been going over the book of Galatians. Last week we took a little detour, a little hiatus from it, but Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, over the six weeks we've been together, we've been looking at each chapter and different sections in each chapter and talking about what this uh, letter was all about as Paul, he is writing to the Galatians, the Galatian church specifically, and that was his audience. Talked about how these false teachers had come in. They were twisting the message of the gospel, uh, adding works to uh, salvation, right? saying that it wasn't just by Jesus, right, believing in him and what he has done. It wasn't just faith in that, uh, but it was also by works of the law. And we know that works of the law is not what saves us. And Paul, again, he reiterates this and emphasizes this to the Galatian churches there. But uh, chapter 5, however, as Jeff, um, as Jeff made so very clear to us, Paul, he, he starts to talk about works in a different light. In the first couple of chapters, he talks about how works is not a means for salvation, and he doesn't um, contradict that at all, but he does say that the law is still beneficial. It's still something that we obey. It's still something that we look at, and it serves as a mirror, as, as something that we see our fallenness through, and, and it makes us very visible to us through the law that we are in desperate need of a savior because we do fall short. But the law is there for us to obey, for us to follow. Uh, God's word, you know, we don't discard it. Uh, The fruits of the spirit, as we saw in chapter five, God, he is working through us through the Holy Spirit and he is producing this fruit in our lives. And so works and all of those things, they are consistent with what Paul is teaching. It's not different and it's not contradictory law and, and, and faith alone, they're not mutually exclusive. They don't necessarily pertain to one another in, in the means of salvation, but the law is still useful and beneficial to us. Works is still something that we look at as an evidence of our faith. And, and if we are believers, if we are followers of Jesus, we all have the Holy Spirit who is working within us, producing this fruit. And today, as we continue to talk about what it means for the Spirit to produce this fruit in our lives, what it means to walk in the Spirit, um, we're going to be looking at what it looks like to exhibit, to live these things out through the Spirit. Each one of the characteristics we find in the fruit of the Spirit that we went over last week, again, if you weren't 
here the week after, actually, not last week, but the week before that, um, I recommend and, and suggest that you go back and revisit Galatians chapter 5 and, and read that and, and familiarize yourself with the fruit of the Spirit and, and really be challenged by it and looking at your own life, looking at the evidence of those things in your own life. Um, we're going to be looking at what that means, right? Because it's easy for us to talk about what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's easy for us to understand what it is and what those characteristics are, right? Talk about them, read them. However, it's harder for us to do something about it. You know, we, we have the tendency to do very little about that. Um, but we know that the fruit of the Spirit uh, is something that each one of us should be displaying uh, as followers of Jesus. Um, and so, again, we want to talk about what that looks like to see um, the application of the gospel in our lives. And that's what it is. That's what walking in the Spirit is, what the production of this fruit is, right? It's the application of the gospel, understanding the gospel in our lives, taking root in our lives, and, and, and what comes from that is the fruit of the Spirit. So today we're going to be looking at what it means to demonstrate to live out this fruit in our day-to-day. If you would, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to chapter 6 uh, in the book of Galatians, this epistle. As we come to a conclusion, we're going to be looking at the first, cha- uh, first 10 Sorry, verses of this chapter. Um, And it's on the screen as well. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. This is what it says. Bear one another's burdens. Brothers, if you, or if anyone, better yet, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one of you test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh reaps corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me pray for us as we start. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the time that we have together to be gathered here this morning, to be uh, coming to a close and looking at the application of this epistle, looking at uh, the end of this letter as Paul wraps these things up and, and has a final challenge for the Galatians. I pray that this would also be a challenge for us, that we would be challenged this morning, that we would be encouraged by Paul's words and ultimately your words, Lord. We thank you again for this wonderful resource that we have, Lord. Um, we pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right, so as we come to a conclusion of this epistle, as we come to the end of Galatians, um, we find that Paul, he recognizes that amongst those Christians, right, amongst the Christian community in Galatia, there have been some who have been taken over in their trespasses. If you look at verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, uh, it says, Caught in any transgression, meaning, um, right, his, for his target audience, um, that they have been um, caught by sin, better yet. It, it caught in any sin. 
uh, that word there could be seen as that. Um, but he is also saying brothers, and this is important for us to understand because we have to understand his audience. He's not just writing, hey, if anybody is caught in any sin, so-and-so. But he's saying brothers. He's talking and specifically addressing a particular audience. And that audience is important for us to highlight because it is the brothers and sisters, meaning it is the saints. It's the Christians, the believers. Now, what that means, obviously, for us is that, again, anyone here caught in any transgression, any trespass, is still a brother. Still somebody who is, obviously, recognized as a believer, as Paul is saying here. Being overtaken hasn't excluded them from the family of God. But he makes it very clear that something is not right. And that something that is not right is they have been overtaken by a sin of some sort. Sin of some kind. However, although they find themselves in this position, it does not mean that they should stay in that position. They are in this transgression, caught up in it, being led astray, but they are not to stay there. Instead, what he's saying here, the challenge is, the, the, the command really that he is putting forward is this, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, John MacArthur, uh, as many of you may who know who that is, he summarizes this section here um, by saying uh, this, it's to pick them up, hold them up, and build them up. And again, when he is talking about these people, he is not referencing, you know, people who are hardened sinners, who don't know the gospel, have nothing to do with it, do not want it, reject it. He is talking about Christians who have fallen into sin. And the sobering thing about this and reading that, and the thing that we should be um, very clear on is that could be any single one of us then. Any one of us could be that brother or sister that is caught in a transgression, in need of being restored. Any one of us is susceptible to falling into sin. Why? Because none of us are perfect. He continues to say in verse 1, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Again, nobody is perfect. James chapter 3, 2 makes that very clear. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. We know that's not true, and we know that nobody's perfect other than Jesus. Nobody lived a perfect life on here. And so we have to be careful and understand that we could be this individual. If we are not careful and we do not watch out, this could be any single one of us, and it's any transgression, not the ones that our minds immediately go to, right? When we think about, oh, a brother has fallen into sin, or we think of somebody that is caught in a transgression or a trespass, we think immediately of these uh, big scandalous things. But it says any trespass, even the ones that are minuscule in our eyes sometimes, the ones that we don't recognize, any sin. And Paul is saying that it's time to take those people and restore them. And that's an instructive verb. What it means is to put something in order, put something back together. That's the word restore there, restoration. 
to bring it back to its former condition. Have any of you ever broken a bone in your body or dislocated a joint? Right. Okay, well, one of the things that they have to do is, right, adjust it, put it in place, and you put a cast around it. Correct? So my sister, for example, I'll tell you this story, and, I'm, and I apologize in advance if you're a little, you know, winsome with, like, gross stories. But my sister, she fell out of a trampoline, boom, snapped her arm, right? Uh, let's get it over and done with. It was pretty, pretty rough. Anyways, it happened to her. So they had to readjust her arm, and, that, and that's important. It's crucial that you readjust it, and then you put that cast, and you allow it time to heal in place, right? Because it's going to go back. It's going to grow back stronger. It's going to mend itself. That's a point of restoration, to restore it to its original form. She had that done. They took off the cast. They had misaligned it. It was not restored back in its original place. They did not realign it. They did not readjust it. So what they had to do was snap it back, break it again, do the whole process over again, and readjust it to its original condition, its original form, and then put that cast all over again. That's what this is alluding to. When, when, when we have that in a medical term, and even in, in the Bible we see reference to this word restoration when he's talking about uh, fixing and mending these fishing nets, that's what he is saying. To take somebody who is, again, clearly, very obviously fallen into some kind of sin and bring them back into a place where they were. Bring them back into fellowship with God, walking in the Spirit to restore them and that's exactly what he's saying here. And that's exactly what he is challenging us who are spiritual to be doing. Those who are also brothers and sisters to look around us and to be able to help those who are in need. Now, what does that look like? What does that mean then for us? How does that, how does that happen, right? How do we accomplish restoration with others? There's this writer who puts it this way, restoration, he breaks it down for us, uh, and I want to go over it this morning with us, means that first and foremost, we do not ignore them. In order to accomplish this restoration, right, we can't ignore them, and specifically, we don't ignore sin. Now, that's the first step, and one that we very much so struggle with, is we often ignore sin, and we put aside the issue. If we know that there are people in this room and we know that our friends are doing things that are very obviously not what they should be doing, and even if that's going on in our own lives, if there is sin that is very blatant that we have knowledge of, a lot of the times what we choose to do, the, the route we take is to ignore it. We we ignore the sin because we, I don't know, fear what they're going to say. We fear what they're going to think of us. We fear um, our own reputation. We, we ignore them because we don't care. Because we don't understand the responsibility that we actually have very clearly in God's word. Right? Out of sight, out of mind. Or is it the other way around, one or the other? But again, we're seeing here in the Bible that just because something is not happening in your own life 
doesn't mean that we don't look to restore that or, or to address that or to fix that and, and to identify those things. That's our responsibility, not to ignore that sin, even if it's a position of leadership that that person holds. If there's sin in my life, I have to expose it. I have to talk about it. No matter who you are, we have to identify sin and, and acknowledge it and make an effort to help that person get to a place of restoration, not ignore them, not, not dismiss it because of their authority or their status or who they are. It's not what we do. And we also don't excuse it. We don't turn a blind eye. We don't justify them. Ah, oh, they were doing this because they're in the wrong crowd, because of the influences. They might have hung around the wrong crowd. They might have had a bad influence. But since when does that justify their own sin? There's sin in somebody's life. We can't justify sin. We, we don't justify, again, regardless who they are, no matter who they are. We cannot justify it, nor can we destroy them for it. On the flip side, a lot of the times we do the, the first here because they're our friends and we have certain relationships with these people that we want to make sure that we, we keep. And so we don't do those things because we want to preserve that relationship. Now the latter here, we do those things because we don't care. We want to destroy them. Oh, this person so-and-so did that. Wow, man. Wow. How did you get to that place? How did you allow that to happen? Man, you did what? Wow. Get out of here. You're not invited anymore. You're not part of our group. Oh, the church is no longer for you. You did what? You did so-and-so? That's not how it works. We don't destroy people, put them down for what they do, for the sin any trespass. We also don't gossip about it. And some of us, again, we, we struggle with the first one, with ignoring sin. We also struggle with this. Whether you choose to believe it or not and understand it, you do. We all do. We gossip about it in different ways, right? Whether it's discreetly, hey, I know we, maybe you've done one of these, but maybe you've gone to your friends and say, hey, hey, don't tell anybody, but you're not going to believe what so-and-so did. Or maybe we do it very blatantly. Could you believe what so-and-so did? That's crazy. Just walk in and start chatting about other people. Sometimes you'll even judge them and talk about them right to the person's face. And i got to give props to you because that, that, that takes a lot of courage for you to do. But some people like to gossip very openly about it. They don't care. There's really no shame and then sometimes you gossip and you tend to do it almost like naively. You're like, oh man, I can't believe so-and-so did that. Oh, you didn't know? Oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. Forget I said anything. I shouldn't have said that. Oh man, yeah. But anyways, now that you know, you know, it's, it's so sad, right? Maybe you've done that. I'm sure some of you have done something like that. Gossiping about others it's a big part of the culture that we live in people just throw everybody's business out there and people talk about other people um, and their struggles and and bring them down and destroy them 
Uh, and again, sometimes the flip side, justify them, ignore it. But we can't do any of those things because if we do any of those things, we're not going to reach the goal that we have, and that is the goal of restoration. Restoration that Paul talks about here. That's something that we often uh, don't strive for enough. We pretend never happened, things don't happen, or we act harshly and somehow we can't find the right balance between the two, but it's there and it's, it takes a spiritual person to do that. It takes somebody walking the Spirit to do these things, to, to, to seek out restoration. And it should be normal for somebody that is walking the Spirit to act this way, but it's easier said than done. The temptation is very clear for us to do what we see here. But that's not what we're to do if we're supposed to accomplish restoration. Whether it's fear, whether it's anger that we do these things, whether it's pride, whether it's laziness, for whatever reason, we have to seek restoration with a spirit of gentleness, which you can really only do if you're in touch with and you understand your own fallenness, as we talked about before. If you understand that you too at any point, can fall short. That you are not any better than that individual. That you are just as prone to sinning and falling as they are, as any of us are. Paul, as he's writing this, he understands his own heart. He understands our heart. We understand that we can be tempted and that we can be overtaken by sin if we are not careful. And if we know this, if we understand that, that allows us to be gentle with others in their sin, with someone else, because we know how easily we can be in their shoes, in their position. If your attitude is you going around thinking, oh, I would never do that, or I would never be that person, or I would never get caught, or I would never, never find myself in a place like that, or I just tried this, I would never actually do that, that's way too much for me. If that's your attitude as you go around, unfortunately, you're in a worse place than that individual because you have been overtaken by pride. In restoring a brother and sister, we must be in full awareness of our own weaknesses in order to do it in a spirit of gentleness. Again, he continues in verse 2, expounding on this, building upon this idea. He writes, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one of you test his own work and his reason to boast will be himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. And as you read these verses here, as you read the first couple of verses, you can start to picture in your head somebody caught in their transgression, their sin, as somebody carrying around, again, this massive burden, this big weight on their shoulders, right? Carrying this burden around. Paul challenges the Galatians here with something, and it's not just a challenge to them. This is something that extends to all of believers and, and, and applies to each and every one of us, and that is we must bear one another's burdens. In verse 2, he says, we are to bear one another's burdens. He does not say we should expect others to bear our burdens, but instead it is a call to obey. It's not a recommendation. Meaning what we do is we find a brother and sister 
who has a burden and we help them carry it. It's as simple as that. That's what it means to bear someone else's burden. And you don't need a big church to do that. You don't need a a ton of resources to do that. You don't need to know everything to do that. You don't need a massive lesson plan, a a step-by-step instruction book and how to bear somebody else's burden. Let me tell you right now, all you need to do is look for a burden, identify one, find one, and bear the burden. All it takes is for you to actually look for one, to be aware of your surroundings, the people around you, Take your eyes off yourself and look for ways to help others. The implication here is pretty obvious. There are burdens in our lives that we need help with. That we need others to help us with. Other brothers and sisters. Sure, yes, Jesus, God, he wants to meet your needs himself, but Sometimes he may want to use somebody else to do that. And if you're walking around thinking, it's just me and Jesus, I don't need anybody else. Jesus got me, God has got me. Do not be too proud to let somebody else bear your burden because maybe God, he wants to use that other person in your own life. Instead of just saying, you know, I'll receive it from Jesus, you may actually be impeding from him working in your life uh, through somebody else. And maybe even stopping yourself from him using you to work and, and help another brother or sister out and, and, and carry somebody else's burden. What keeps us from doing this then? Again, if we look back at the text, it says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives, him, he deceives himself. Again, going back to this idea of pride, right? And I want to continue to expound on this in an upcoming series, but pride is the issue here. When we look at this, we need to be very clear that we need to humble ourselves because it keeps us from bearing one another's burdens. When we think of themselves, when somebody thinks of themselves as being somebody who is um, nothing, um, it keeps you, well, it allows you to be able to bear somebody else's burden. If you think of yourself as something, if you think of yourself as more than you should, if pride gets in the way, if you have this self-focus, you're never actually going to, to do these things. Why? Because when you think of somebody who is prideful, you know, I, if you even take a second now to just start to picture somebody who is prideful, you think about the definition of this word, you might, even, um, you might even think of yourself when you're thinking of this person. Um, but as you think of somebody that is self-centered, I-, I want you to understand that pride does not necessarily mean that this person is very flippantly saying, hey, I'm better than you. Because pride is not necessarily that. Pride may be that. Pride may be somebody that says, yeah, I am better than you. I'm better than all of you at this. That can be what pride is, but pride is not limited to that. Pride, it can, it can acknowledge that somebody is better than me at something. Pride may acknowledge, yes, you are better than me at this. However, 
The problem is, although we can admit that what pride says is that although you're better than me, I am more important. So I deserve the attention. I deserve my own love. The things that I have to give, I am the priority. It's not a matter of being better. It's a matter of importance. The self-focus, that's what it is. That's not what biblical humility looks like. People that are prideful, they refuse to help and to receive help. And so when Paul says, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself, he is not saying that Christians are something and some Christians are nothing. What he is saying is we're all nothing. Now, you know, you might say, well, isn't, isn't God the one who created me? Am I made in the image of God? That's something that came up on Tuesday night. It was a question. Aren't I made in the image of God? As a believer, I'm a child of God. Of course I'm not nothing. That doesn't make sense. Jesus, he, he died for me. He loves me, doesn't he? Um, to help us understand this, I, I was very competitive. I am very competitive. And when it comes to soccer, I am very competitive. Um, incredibly competitive, but yeah, nowadays definitely not as much as when I was younger. And when I was younger, uh, I would say that I could have been very prideful. I think of times where opponents of mine would get injured, and I would <laughs> celebrate almost when people are down on the ground, celebrating like, man, yes, you got what you deserve, man. Doesn't matter. So long as my team has a better shot, now I'm good. I can care less about the other individual. Because I was so self-focused. My attention was only on me and what I wanted. I couldn't take a step back from being competitive and focus on what's really important. Is this person's health? Is this person okay? You know, I, I think that this is what he's saying here. He's saying that we shouldn't consider ourselves nothing in comparison to the burdens and the needs of others. It's not that we're nothing, that we're worthless and meaningless, but when it comes to others and their needs and putting others first and putting God first, we pale in comparison when it comes to that. That's what it means. Philippians chapter 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count yourselves more significant than others. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. That's what it means here that the needs of others are more important. You are not beyond anybody's needs. You are not better than anybody's needs. Right? I, I, think of, I think of even this past weekend, right? Friday night. We had several of you guys come out, and I want to take this time to appreciate and show my th- gratitude for those that came out and helped out on Friday night with the FNL for the middle schoolers. And I'm not saying you had this attitude, and I'm not saying... Don't hear what I'm saying, but what I'm not saying, but you know, the temptation to be, well, I'm past middle school. I don't need to serve the middle school. Middle school, that's beyond, oh, that's below me. I'm, I'm above that. You know, I, that's not for me. I don't need to do that. And, and that's just one example, but you can fall into temptation to think that you're beyond a certain level, a certain individual, beyond helping somebody better than somebody more important and more valuable and think that 
you don't need to serve. You don't need to help this individual. There's somebody else to do that. That's not my problem. I want to tell you that you're not beyond anybody. You're not better than anybody in that regard. We're called to bear one another's burdens to serve in whatever capacity. Imagine if we all had that attitude. Imagine if we all did that here, if we all saw each other as better than ourselves. If we looked at each other and cared for one another, and even better, what if we had people that didn't have anybody to look down upon them? Right? We were looking up at one another. If that's the case, nobody can look down on anybody. There's nobody to do that. And that's what we're called to do, and that's what my hope is with this group. We want to have fun, yes. Can we do that? Yeah. Um, for those that came Friday night, we did that. Serving together. We can accomplish that, but even more so than all that stuff, what I want us to come and look forward to is to be in a place where you guys understand and learn what it means to love and to care for each other, what it means to bear one another's burdens, because that's the heart of the gospel. That is how we will grow, sacrificing for others. On the flip side, what happens when we don't do this? We deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We lead ourselves astray. We are blind to our sins to the gifts of God and our own foolishness and self-centeredness. Has somebody ever deceived you? Have you ever been deceived by somebody? How did it make you feel? Somebody tricked you, manipulated you. I bet it didn't make you feel good. I bet you were angry, upset, distraught, annoyed, all those things. But let me ask you this. What happens when you deceive yourself? Do you have that same feeling toward yourself or you, or you don't even recognize it? Right? When you tell yourself lies, when you tell yourself lies about who God is, for the most part, you know, our attitude typically reflects and resembles our mortal bodies, right? Our bodies, they can't, they can't look inwardly. Our eyes, it can only see outwardly. And oftentimes, that is our attitude. That is the same perspective that we have when it comes to our pride and our self-centeredness. We can't look inwardly when it comes to this self-deception. Now, if any of you can look into your, <laughs> into your brains and you can roll your eyes in the back of your head, I will see you after here and I'll call the hospital because you need some help. But um, some minds, they are just incapable of looking inwardly incapable of seeing things from that perspective, right? But when you see yourself in this true condition, when you see yourself and you stop to, to actually understand and, and look at what Jesus has done for you, to remember and account what he has done for each and every one of us, that you are also helpless and hopeless without God in Jesus and, and what he has done for you, we can then Stop and serve others, to put others first. Understand this and actually go out and bear one another's burdens. Um, I have much more here, and I'm thinking about the time, but I'm going to call it for today. But hopefully, guys, the encouragement for us here is that we don't need to know everybody, or we don't need to know everything in order for us to bear one another's burdens. We don't have to have everything um, in regards to the right resources, the right knowledge, but we have to be looking for it. We have to take our eyes off ourselves 
understand that there are responsibilities that we have as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is in this regard, in, in this particular way, to bear one another's burdens, to be able to do that for one another, all right? Let me pray for us this morning, hopefully. Um, you guys have a great rest of your day. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for, again, uh, the opportunity to come together to study God's word, to be able to talk about a few things. Um, Lord, uh, I pray that we would be challenged today to uh, actually take our eyes off ourselves uh, in so many ways and, and not fear what comes from um, approaching uh, a brother, a sister in Christ and, 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 and helping them and encouraging them and challenging them. Um, we would not be uh, taken aback by that, Lord, and, and be worrisome of the uh, results, Lord, but really just seek to help that brother or sister be restored in their relationship with you, Lord. Um, I, I pray that we would um, seek those opportunities, that we would not be um, just focused with what we want, with the things that we have going on, but be able to invest in the lives of other people, the people around us, the people in this room. Thank you again, Lord. Um, we, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray that as we head on out now, that we would have a great rest of the way, uh, day as well and, and safe travels. Lord. We pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much. And good morning, and citizen.